From New York, it's Thursday, February 9th, 2017. Welcome to Alex News, the podcast where ignorant comedian Alex Diane, that's me, reads the news and reacts with confusion and anger and possibly compassion and intelligence. Maybe. Here are today's top stories from my Google and Reddit-powered personal liberal echo chamber. Chamber, chamber, chamber. From the New York Times, New York today, winter storm hits the Northeast. Forecasts are calling for 8 to 12 inches of snow on Thursday in New York City, northern New Jersey, the Hudson Valley, and coastal Connecticut, and on Long Island. All public schools in New York City are closed for the day. A blizzard warning for Suffolk County on Long Island has been issued with the possibility of 12 to 16 inches of snow and wind gusts of up to 50 miles per hour. There are delays on the city's subways and buses, as well as on the Staten Island Ferry. A morning storm arrives. A winter storm is dropping snow this morning on New York City, and public schools are closed in the city. By the storm's end, forecasters said, the city could be coated with 8 to 12 inches of snow, the brunt of it falling during the morning commute. A winter storm warning is in effect in the city until 6 p.m., and the city has urged residents to avoid unnecessary travel. Okay, so... Folks, here, here's what I got to figure out. Is traveling necessary for me? Um, and I believe, I believe I have nowhere that I have to be, which would make traveling unnecessary. I have places maybe I'd like to go. Maybe I'd like to go, you know... I don't, this isn't a this isn't a personal podcast about my I don't want to describe the day that I was gonna have I'm just I'm just saying I was gonna go somewhere and not just be in the house all day but now it's like well is that really necessary how necessary does it have to be does does it have to be a life or death situation does it have to be like a I need to make money today situation what is necessariness what does necessary mean? To me, to me, I'm not asking the New York Times what they mean by necessary. I don't understand what they're saying. I get it. I get what they mean by unnecessary travel. If you don't have to be traveling, don't travel. And and I think it's become clear that whatever it was that I was planning to do is probably unnecessary. And um, that hurts. That hurts that the New York Times is calling my entire day's worth of plans unnecessary but but i'm the one who's applying it to my life but i just don't i don't appreciate them saying avoid unnecessary travel because they know that for a lot of their readers that we're going to look at that where they're going to we're going to see the words unnecessary travel and we're going to associate that with our entire lives uh, they 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 get that that's happening to me right now and they and they're fine with it they just print that in the paper avoid unnecessary travel why don't they say like avoid your own life avoid your duties neglect your responsibilities uh but then but but at what point 
is that I just think they should maybe be a little bit more tactful when they're going to call my entire life unnecessary. Maybe, maybe it is necessary. Maybe it is necessary that I go out and live my life. Like, isn't that necessary? But then we, but then we come back to the idea of travel. Is the travel necessary? Well, I got to travel to my life, right? My life, my life isn't here in this apartment. My, my corporeal being is here. But life, life is out there. So what, what travel isn't necessary? Isn't it necessary that people travel? All right, come on, Alex, get it, get over it. I, is this going to be the whole podcast? I just think this is just making me question everything. Like, do I go out in the snow or not? Is my life important enough? Are well, okay. Let's just keep that in the back of my mind. Now they're now they're listing travel things that are closed. Cities across the Northeast shut down. Schools and businesses across the Northeast are closed as the storm moves through. The National Weather Service predicted that parts of New England could get up to 18 inches of snow before the day is out. Philadelphia, which is expected to see up to 8 inches, declared a snow emergency to keep cars off the street. The Pennsylvania Turnpike lowered its speed limit to 45 miles per hour, the Associated Press reported, and most of the flights from Philadelphia International Airport had been canceled. Employees get to work despite the storm. The storm was already affecting the workday at about 5 a.m. on Thursday. I could have worked from home today, Eugene Goldberg said. But it's more conducive to do work in the office. It may be old-fashioned, but there are too many distractions at home. I will probably be the only person in my office. Mr. Goldberg, 67, an attorney from East Meadow on Long Island, took a train an hour earlier than usual to his office at 53rd Street and 3rd Avenue in Manhattan. See now, see now, see now. This Mr. Goldberg, who I gave a very Jewish accent to because, I don't know, he seems like a Jewish guy. Uh, but he's right. There's, there are too many distractions at home. So if he, if he, if he found it necessary, he found, this man found it necessary to go into the office. Is necessariness necessarily objective or is it subjective? Do we decide what is necessary I guess so. I guess that is up to each of us to decide, is this necessary? So really, it's not about what's necessary. It's about what, it's about what we want. It's about what we want to do. And that's why, I think that's what, what really bothers me when they say avoid unnecessary travel because all travel is unnecessary slash it's all necessary. It's necessary to go out and live your life, but at the same time, it's not. I can just stay home. That's not, it's not necessary. But what are my aims what do I want to get out of this day? Maybe I just want to go play in the snow. Isn't that a good, I think that's a good happy medium. What if I do, I do what the New York Times is saying and I neglect my duties. I say, you know what? Living life is unnecessary. I don't need to do that. But I don't stay home like all of Eugene Gold, Goldberg's coworkers. I don't stay home. I go out like just a few feet from my home into the snow, make like a snow angel, have a snowball fight with whoever walks by, just trudge through the snow a little bit, 
scream. Maybe like just scream and see how it sounds to scream in the snow. And then come back. Am I going to do that? I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to... Here's the thing. If I, if I don't leave the house today, if I'm just sitting here afraid of snow, like, I'm not getting dressed. I'm not taking a shower. I'm not going to take a shower and get dressed just to, to not go anywhere. If, if my normal plans are unnecessary, then all aspects of life are unnecessary today. That's not true. That we can't be we can't be absolutist like that, Alex. We have to keep it together. We have to keep it together on this snowy, snowy day. I just don't know what parts of my life are necessary to live and which are and I don't want to parse it. I don't want to parse it. Look, look I, if I told you right now what I was going to do today, I'm, I, I, you'd be like, Alex, none of that stuff is necessary. You're not getting paid for any of it. You're, it's all doable at home, no matter how many distractions you feel there are. And the long and short of it is your life is not necessary. Still with the New York Times. Trump attacks senator for divulging that Gorsuch called attacks on judiciary demoralizing. President Trump will meet with airline industry executives over breakfast at 9.30 on Thursday. Representative Tom Price could finally get a vote as soon as Friday to be confirmed as Secretary of Health and Human Services. At 11 a.m., Senator Chuck Schumer of New York, the Democratic leader, and Senator Patty Murray of Washington, the ranking Democrat on the Labor Committee, will go after Andrew Puzder, Mr. Trump's embattled nominee for Labor Secretary. Trump shoots the messenger, Senator Blumenthal. It was a bit of a kiss-and-tell moment when Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat of Connecticut, told reporters that President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court, Judge Neil M. Gorsuch, had called Mr. Trump's attacks on the judiciary demoralizing and disheartening. But the account was readily confirmed on the record by a White House advisor, Ron Bonjean, working to advance the Gorsuch confirmation. That wasn't enough to stop the president from going after Mr. Blumenthal where it hurt. From Trump's Twitter. Senator Richard Blumenthal, who never fought in Vietnam when he said for years he had major lie, now misrepresents what Judge Gorsuch told him. Uh, he's so boring. Isn't he so boring? The president was referring to 2010 news broken in the New York Times, a media outlet. He has openly criticized that <laughs> the one you happen to be reading right now. Good for you. That Mr. Blumenthal had exaggerated his Vietnam era service. Of course, Mr. Trump did not serve in Vietnam either with that bad foot of his. <laughs> he also might want to be making friends with the senators who need to confirm Judge Gorsuch, but diplomacy is not always the president's strong suit. <laughs> I love when the New York Times just gets sarcastic. They, they can't help it when they're talking about this asshole. The president did tip his hand to what news program he was watching Thursday morning, CNN, where Mr. Blumenthal was being interviewed with his trademark subtlety. <laughs> with his trademark subtlety, Mr. Trump registered his discontent. Trump's Twitter Chris Cuomo, in his interview with Senator Blumenthal, never asked him about his long-term lie about his brave, quote-unquote, service in Vietnam. Fake news. 
It is unclear what was fake about a story that relied as much on the people shepherding the Gorsuch nomination through the Senate as on one of the senators who will cast a vote. Mr. Cuomo also did not ask the senator about the president's bone spurs. Bone spurs? Wait. Oh, the bad foot. <laughs> Very good. Very good. With the president already running for re-election, federal workers get guidance on office politics. The day President Trump took the oath of office, he filed paperwork to declare his candidacy for re-election, not so much because he was overeager, but because money was still flowing into his campaign coffers, and any funds raised over five thousand dollars in twenty seventeen would have had to have been would have had to be returned unless Mr. Trump registered as a candidate. And we know the president doesn't like refunds. Oh my god. The New York Times is like reading uh 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 like a a transcript of who's who's that who's a dry sarcastic wit like like a british i can't think of a reference but um just droll droll they're just the word droll right now it's it, it it's like the the entire paper is is just is just the making the sound mhm 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 okay uh, like like they're reporting stuff but they can't believe they're reporting it <laughs> and this is just like so the like section of the paper this says First 100 Days Briefing. Oh, and this is by Charlie Savage. Oh, I don't, I don't usually read the, the byline, but like Charlie Savage is pretty savage against Trump. I mean, I mean, they just can't contain themselves. They can't contain themselves here. And I, I don't know, but if you report on it sarcastically, like that's the... That's the happy medium that they've reached between impartiality and opposition is sarcastic impartiality. That's what that's what they're calling impartiality. They're just they're just saying they're kind of reporting like you'd report stuff, but then they're adding a little bit extra. And we know the president doesn't like refunds. Whammo, wing, belly, doobity, dee. Uh, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I can't tell this article. I'm not sure if this is meant to be an impartial article, or if this is like more of an editorial. It doesn't say editorial. It's not an editorial. It's it's transmitting information. But it's like it's a briefing. Is it meant to be like a blog post? That's why there are tweets all through it. And like it's not just Trump's tweets that they're quoting. It's but there's a tweet. There's this tweet that's just a caption of a video. So what I'm reading is like, this is the morning briefing, the New York Times morning briefing. So I guess this isn't impartial, and probably none of the New York Times is at this point. Uh, but it's ridiculous how the the. How they just think like, well, if we if we report the real news, but we add just a, just a hint of irony, and it's highbrow irony. It's not snark. 
It's not snark, it's highbrow irony. We know the president doesn't like refunds. All right, let's pick, let's pick this up. So what's a federal employee to do with a boss who was technically running for office the day he stepped into the Oval Office? The Office of Special Counsel has answers. It has told federal employees that they may not express a view about whether Mr. Trump should be reelected or defeated in 2020 while on duty or in the workplace, but it assured them that they were otherwise free to express support or disapproval about Mr. Trump and his policies. A new guidance document was issued on Tuesday after the office said that it had received numerous inquiries about the impact of Mr. Trump's filing for re-election. In contrast, former President Barack Obama filed such paperwork more than two years after his inauguration. Well, now, if I have to guess, if I have to guess this, uh, he's like, he's just putting the money in his pocket or he's investing it or something, or it's going like right into one of his casinos where he's like laundering it through his own blackjack games. God knows what this fucker's doing. Uh, but he's not going to be reelected. He knows he's not going to be reelected. He knows he's not going to be serving the whole term. He better not be serving the whole term. Oh, come on. Get out of here with that whole term business. He's gonna he's gonna reorganize everything. Then he's gonna be gone. He's gonna just strip the government of all establishmenty establishments, and you know just he's gonna he's gonna rip the liberal democratic order to shreds. And then he'll he's gonna peace. He's not gonna sit around there for eight years. Get out of here. Get out of here. Am I just, am I in denial? Am I in denial about eight years of Trump? What what do I look like? How much will I age in eight years of Trump? I can't, no, this this thing is just some, this is for tax purposes. This is just so he keep he can keep campaign donations coming in. That's it. I mean, that's what the New York Times just told me in this very biased article. But come on. That's correct, right? That's why they said it with such droll irony, because it's just right. We know the president doesn't like refunds. Okay, all right, okay. Um, Trump's labor pick gets roughed up. Andrew Puzder, the chief executive of the fast food corporation that gave the world Carl's Jr., Hardee's, and racy ads of bikini-clad women eating large hamburgers, is finally getting his confirmation hearing on February 16th after multiple delays. It seems Mr. Puzder was having a devilish time getting his considerable finances in order. <laughs> a devilish time. See, you don't use the word devilish unless you're being droll. Even the devil himself well if the devil were to use devilish he wouldn't be being droll he'd be being well kind of meta and i would say tongue-in-cheek and winky face i'm having a devilish time but but under the auspices of drollness under the auspices of drollness and amid the delays his nomination has taken on water Democrats have attacked his record at CKE, the parent company of the fast food chains. Opponents have moved to unseal divorce records, which may contain details of domestic violence accusations leveled by his ex-wife, then retracted. Well, that seems hardly fair. Am I siding with um, patriarchy there if I don't think that, like, retracted accusations of domestic violence should, like come back to haunt people 
and now conservatives, led by the White House advisor Steve Bannon's Breitbart News, are attacking Mr. Puzder for employing an undocumented immigrant as a housekeeper. Oh, heavens. Oh, heavens, no. Not an undocumented immigrant in a, a person's own home. Why, uh, what, that, that's, I mean, his home must be so clean. Uh, it's, that's horrifying. Every spotless corner of his home, he must force him to think about what a terrible disgrace he is. Uh, oh, we have an Ann Coulter tweet. Ann Coulter says, It's all about cheap maids for the plutocrats. Andrew Puzder, Trump's labor pick, admits to hiring undocumented maid. Oh my god. Whereas Ann Coulter simply doesn't hire a maid. She lives in a coffin. Well, if he doesn't get confirmed, Mr. Puzder will have a nest egg to fall back on. <laughs> Ethics documents released Wednesday night showed that he pulled in a $3.4 million salary last year, owes as much as $55 million in company stock that he must divest himself of, uh, expects a bonus of a $1 million to $5 million, and even secured a relocation benefit worth between $250,000 and $500,000. And he would not be nearly the richest member of the cabinet. It gets its own paragraph. He would not be nearly the richest member of the cabinet. Well, Trump, you know, you elect billionaire. You elect a guy because he's a billionaire. Uh, you elect a guy thinking, oh, cool, he's a billionaire. He knows what's up. Well, then he's going to bring in a bunch of his rich friends, you know, and especially a guy who doesn't have actual friends and doesn't trust anybody and all that stuff. Like... All like all he trusts is money, money talks, and that that's it. He he can't. There's no way he trusts talk, because he knows how that works. <laughs> he he's he's too far up the ass of of uh how how language can be manipulated to give a shit what anybody says. He ju he just cares about the money. He sees the money and and he wants to make a deal deal for money. So, rich people in the cabinet. I think he just likes, I don't know. I, I More and more, I think, like, anything that looks fishy in this Trump administration actually isn't fishy. Actually, there's nothing going on behind the scenes. There's nothing un going on under the table, and everything is exactly how it seems. And sure, Trump is benefiting from his business ties because that's what it seems like he's doing. And but But it's just like... Something as dumb as he's he's hiring these rich people just because he respects riches. That that's that's enough of an explanation. He just he 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 trusts people more if they're rich, because I don't know he sees himself in them in, in that. Way. I just think like, you know, because I was saying I kept quoting that article that that said the the Muslim band is ban the the Muslim band is a head fake. That like they're they're distracting us while something else is going on, and it's like, no. <laughs> and then and then when they when he put Steve Bannon on the that council, and it was like, oh my God, what what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they planning? And then it's like, oh, Trump didn't even know he was doing that. And maybe that's a fake. Maybe that's the head fake. Maybe he did know, and and they want us to think that he they don't. Oh, it's exhausting. It's exhausting following these idiots. Um. But I feel like 
they're just they're still just idiots they're, uh, making this up as they go along there's no master plan like it it would almost be better if there was an evil plan like like our, uh, if if they were trying to just destroy the world at least we know what we're dealing with but these people are just like doing a bad improv scene and calling it government <laughs> okay, here's another here's another sarcastic heading from this same briefing from the New York Times. Ah, so now he trusts the polls. For a guy who famously and rightly rejected the polls that showed he would not win the presidency, Mr. Trump has suddenly become quite enamored with those pesky surveys. I've never read anything more sarcastic than this briefing. I mean, are, we're going to have to start calling it snark. I think they're they're going to cross the line into snark. Vexed by the federal courts and questioned by the press, the president has turned to public opinion to bolster his policies, especially his temporary ban on visas to travelers from seven predominantly Muslim nations. And it's not just polls of Americans. Hey, polls of Europeans back him up too. Well, well in between there it's it's a Trump tweet showing a poll that says 55% of people favor, approve, approve the Muslim ban. Um, hey, polls of Europeans back him up too. Ma another Trump tweet. Majority and leading EU nations support Trump-style travel ban. Poll of more than 10,000 people in 10 countries. And of course, polls also back up his feeling for the news media, which, as you might have noticed, he doesn't like. He says, Trump administration seen as more truthful than news media. <laughs> Polls also back up his feeling for the news media, which, as you might have noticed, he doesn't like. They really are. They're reporting on one of the characters from the movie Baby Geniuses who just got into the White House. And they're like, this fucking little baby is fucking everything up. This stupid, dumbass baby. <laughs> and President Baby rattles the world with another uh, executive order. It's like they're just trying to... The, the New York Times has turned to making little jokes to themselves into their, like, into the uh, uh, the collar of their shirts, just, like, quietly mumbling sarcastic comments to make themselves feel better. Oh, it's uh, it's it's pretty horrible to watch. <laughs> so let's let's go to a different story. Oh, oh. From the Telegraph, become a suicide bomber. Posters appear across London. Posters urging Londoners to become suicide bombers have been appearing at bus stops across the capital. On f well, I'm sorry. Posters urging Londoners to become suicide bombers have been appearing at bus stops across the capital. On first glance, the posters appear to be unusually worded recruitment advertisements, sorry, advertisements for the Royal Navy. They feature the Naval Forces branding and the text directs people to the website royalnavy.org.uk for information about joining the crew of a nuclear submarine. Quote, the crew of our nuclear submarines are on a suicide mission, the posters claims. To launch their missiles means death is certain, not just for them, but for the millions of innocent people these bombs will obliterate, and for the rest of us too. 
The spoof posters, installed by a subverting organization known as Special Patrol Group, were designed by British artist Darren Cullen, whose work has previously featured at Banksy's Dismaland exposition, exhibition and, the, and at the Victoria and Albert Museum. They were conceived as a protest against Britain's nuclear weapons program, Cullen telling the Telegraph, the inspiration for the project came from finding out that the crew of a nuclear submarine would not survive the deployment of Trident. I'd never heard this discussed before. When we think about Trident, we don't tend to imagine the crew out on a suicide mission. It struck me as another example of the ethical double standard we have in the West when it comes to which types of violence we condemn. We see terrorist suicide bombers as depraved, which they undoubtedly are, but we don't see our own depravity in building and operating nuclear suicide bombs that have the potential to murder millions and end human civilization in the space of an afternoon. Well, th so this guy, I mean, put out a really politically incorrect bit of satire, took out ad space, put it at, in bus stops, and now he's getting major quotage, major quotage in the Telegraph, which, as far as I know, is a British periodical. Uh, and, and one that's, one that's, uh, one that you hear about. You hear about this, this Telegraph, just like you keep hearing about Frederick Douglass, you know, you hear about these things. The Telegraph's always talking about Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass always talking about the te Telegraph. They're really, they're really pimping each other. I think I, you hear more and more about them t pimping each other, the Telegraph and Frederick, Frederick Douglass. There's a relationship there, and uh, I'm not sure it's good for the American people. I think we may need to ban Frederick Douglass from America because he's working with our enemies in Britain. All right, Alex, get over it. Get over, get over everything. Um, yeah, so, so imagine, I mean, imagine seeing in New York this become a suicide bomber poster. You just wouldn't see it. It just wouldn't happen, like, and it would have, if it did, it would have just, like, swastikas all over it or something. I, it, it just wouldn't, I, I can't imagine seeing that. I can't imagine it. I was, I was crazed, not crazed, uh, excited when I saw Brian Eno's advertisements that said, this was for an album, for a music album, and it said, uh, "We we don't deserve all that we have, or 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 what we have is unsustainable, or or we we uh, we have too much." He was basically saying like, "We're we're due for we're due for a dressing down," and it was on a poster and. Uh, you don't see that shit. You see, you're used to advertisements like uh, trying to make you feel ugly so that you'll buy a thing to make you pretty. You, you don't expect it to like challenge your, to challenge you. Uh, become a suicide bomber. And this is, and this is protesting the, the Navy, the Royal Navy. It's making a point out on the streets. It's it is a protest. It's it's basically just a protest sign without the protesters. And actually, I like that kind of protest. If only, if we could just have the signs and and not all and not have to like if I could just write up a sign, make a little make a cardboard sign and send it to the protest maybe pay for pay for some ad space 
that's a good idea. With all these marches happening, what if you did this? If you're going to go to a protest, instead of making your own sign, sell ad space, but not for, you know, Budweiser, but for someone who wants to protest, who doesn't want to or can't leave their home to actually go to the protest. And, and you'll, for, for a small fee, you'll, well, probably a big fee, you'll go out and you'll protest for them with their sign and to get some pictures taken so they can feel like they're part of the protest. I mean, that's sort of antithetical to like what a protest is about, but at the same time, selling ad space in a protest is a great idea. Or maybe it's not for their protest sign. Maybe it's for their business. Maybe it's like abortion sign, abortion sign, abortion sign. Come to Ed's hardware store. Uh, f- free hammer if, you, if you're coming from the abortion clinic. Um, that, I guess that's in poor taste. I mean, obviously I'm spitballing here. I think it's a good idea business-wise. Um, here's another idea. What about a protest that looked sort of like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? So instead of lots and lots of people having lots of these signs, there, there's just one giant inflatable sign, you know, that says Trump sucks or whatever it says. But and then the all like the entire protest are holding on to strings. And so it's like the Thanksgiving Day Parade, but it's a protest. Guys, I have lots of protest ideas. I, sh- I really should go to one of these organizational meetings that they keep having in Brooklyn. Uh, I think I should bring some of these ideas. I think they would really appreciate my in- uh, ingenu- ingenuity. From CBS News, West Virginia public schools sued over Bible classes. Some parents in West Virginia are fighting to put an end to a Bible class in public schools. For nearly 80 years, Bible stories have been taught in Mercer County as part of the regular school week, and they're extremely popular in the community. In a new lawsuit, however, a major lobby for the separation of church and state is arguing that popular is not the same as legal, reports CBS News correspondent Tony Ducopel. In church, Sherilyn Thomas has built a deep relationship with God. And as a parent, she appreciates that her daughter, Tegan, can continue that relationship at school. It is very important that what we teach at home can be moved on to the school and instilled there and moved to the church and it's still there so that it moves in a circle, Thomas said, sounding stupid. The school portion of that circle is provided by a program called Bible in the Schools. Is it a religious course, DeCopel asked. It's the Bible. Thomas replied, Is that a yes? Decopel asked. I would say it is the Bible. It doesn't teach one religion. It's not a Baptist Bible. It's not a Presbyterian Bible. It's the Bible. And it is God. Okay, so you're interviewing someone who apparently got this education. What she is saying is, is an argument against what she is saying because she sounds so stupid saying it. It doesn't teach one religion. It's not a Baptist Baptist Bible. It's not the Torah. It's not it's not the King James Bible. It's not Gideon's Bible. It's the Bible. There's only one reli- there's only one Bible. There's many many different religions, all of them based on one of the Bibles. Any any Bible, as long as it says all the Bible stuff in it and it's not the Quran, it's a religion. 
<laughs> it's I mean I mean this person has never heard of a religious text that isn't the Bible. And 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 she's saying see, we need real religion classes. The thing is they're not teaching religion in schools, and that's the problem. They need to teach religion in schools so that these idiot religious people realize that they're religious and not just write about stuff. They don't know the difference between having faith and knowing things. And it's like, it's nothing against having faith. I keep calling them idiots because they keep treating their faith like it's knowledge. And it ain't. It isn't. Um, let's keep reading this stupid, weirdly written interview. Created by volunteers in 1939, the program now provides more than 4,000 kids a weekly course of Bible study. How do you like class? DeCopel asked Tegan. I like it very much because I want to learn all the stuff in the Bible, Tegan said, uh, her eyes rolling back into her head like a horror movie. The voluntary program is paid for through private donations and administered by the school district. The enrollment rate among the county's 19 elementary schools is 96%. Do all the kids in your class go to Bible class too? DeCopel asked. Only one goes out and plays on the computer because she can't hear what the Bible says, Tegan said. How come? DeCopel asked. Because her dad just doesn't want her to hear all the Bible stuff, Tegan said. What do you think about that? DeCopel asked. I think that's bad. She needs to go to Bible class, Tegan said. And then Tegan pulled out a chainsaw and revved it up real nice and went out looking for some heathen blood. Heathen blood! Well, Tegan is ruined. Now we've seen how schools have ruined Tegan. Poor, poor little Tegan is going to be just like her dumbass mother. Uh, why, why am I so, why am I like that? I mean, look, these people are in a community where they just have no hope. And, th and that's what they want to perpetuate. And it's like, they're stupid because they want to perpetuate the very system that has made them stupid. But does that make them stupid or does that just make them extant beings that they want to perpetuate the society or the type of society that they were raised in uh, without regard to like how stupid it has made them? Do, do, do I consider how stupid I am made by like my society? How does that work? How would that work? What do I perpetuate that I f that that is stupid? That is bad for me. Well, ca the capitalist economy. I mean, capitalism, right? I spend money, but I have no choice, right? There's no there's no bill on the table to get capitalism taken away. So uh, that doesn't really work. Um, what about foods I eat? I probably eat disgusting, gross American foods, just because I'm was raised here and I don't know any better. That's probably true. That's probably true. I probably eat stuff that's just dumb for me to eat. I, I probably put things in my body that like there are, uh, there are people in the world who are concerned with health who would watch me eat them and go, how is that guy so fucking stupid? And the answer is like probably similar to these people. You're just, you're, you're brainwashed. I mean, your brain's got to be washed somehow or another, right? You're going you're gonna to have your brain washed by something. 
Comments like these, like, like, I think that's bad, she needs to go to Bible class. Comments like these are part of what attracted the Freedom From Religion Foundation, a Wisconsin-based lobby for the separation of church and state. In a lawsuit filed jointly last month with Jane Doe, a mother of a Mercy, Mercer County kindergartner who wishes to remain anonymous, the group accused the county of running Bible indoctrination classes that endorse the literal truth of the Bible. If you want them to have a religious education, that burden's on you. That burden should not be on the school system, said Elizabeth Deal, who, like Doe, believes the Mercer County program violates the rights of parents who wish to keep schools a secular place. But the thing is, then, if you're a poor family who wants your kid to have a religious education, what do you do? You say that burden's on you? I mean, the burden's on you to to give your kid like a a church education like that should be free right if you want to educate your kid in church goings i mean is that free do you, how much do you have to pay a church to indoctrinate your child i don't i don't know like it it doesn't make sense and, and you're also talking about a community where there's only one kid who's being pulled out of the Bible class. That's what the community is. That's the community. They're a community of people who do Bible stuff. They like the Bible. That's what it's about there. They like the Bible. They probably love guns. They probably just love guns and Jesus. And that's it. That's what they have. That's life to them. That's, that's what's necessary in life. If, they're, if it's blizzarding, in this part of the country, and there, and these people are sitting in in their homes in the morning, thinking, "Do I go anywhere today? Is anything I'm doing today necessary?" They ask themselves two questions. Number one, will Jesus be involved? If so, it's necessary. Number two, will I get to shoot anything dead? If so, it's necessary. Okay, I like killing, and I like loving all God's creatures, including the ones I've killed or intend to kill. And and that's just how it is. So, you know, as as stupid as these people sound, it's like well, what what do you what do you what do you want to come into their towns and ruin their stupidity for? It's all they have. From Ars Technica. Not so fast. Comcast told to stop claiming it has fastest internet. Verizon wins challenge of Comcast's fastest internet and in-home Wi-Fi claims. Comcast should stop saying in advertisements that it, quote, delivers the fastest internet in America and the, quote, fastest in-home Wi-Fi, according to the advertising industry's self-regulation body. The evidence Comcast uses to substantiate those claims is not sufficient, ruled the National Advertising Review Board, or NARB. Verizon had challenged Comcast's advertising claims, leading to today's ruling. Comcast said today that it disagreed with the findings, but will comply with the decision. Comcast used crowdsourced speed test data from Ookla to make its claim about Xfinity internet speeds. Ookla's data showed only that Xfinity consumers who took advantage of the free tests offered on the speedtest.net website subscribed to tiers of service with higher download speeds than Verizon Fios consumers who took advantage of the tests. 
today's NARB announcement said. The UCLA data's accuracy wasn't questioned, but it was judged to be, quote, not a good fit for an overall claim that an ISP delivers America's fastest internet. Okay, so if you missed that, they did a test, but all it, all it showed was that the people who took the test on, uh, with one company had higher download speeds than the people who took the test on the other company, but it, has, it says nothing about the overall speed of the service. And so basically, it's a bullshit. And Comcast is complying with the decision, but they are not agreeing. They disagree with the findings, but they will comply with the decision. Okay, all right, let's keep going. The ad review board said Comcast America's fastest internet claims gave the impression that Comcast offers overall internet speed superiority. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, the Comcast ads also give the impression that Comcast delivers the fastest download and upload speeds, whereas the UCLA data showed that the top 10% of Verizon Fios customers had higher upload speeds than the top 10% of Comcast customers. Comcast should feel free to accurately advertise the results of UCLA data as long as the company clearly communicates what the data represents, quote, avoids any statement or implication that the data demonstrates that Xfinity provides faster internet speeds than competing ISPs, and distinguishes between download and upload speeds, the ad board said. Okay, okay, all right, okay. Here, here, the next heading says, Respectful Disagreement. Comcast agrees to comply with NARB's decision, the company said in a statement. Comcast will apparently continue using UCLA data in ads. Comcast is gratified by NARB's determination that UCLA's Crowdsourced data, which found that based on 60 million speed test results, the top 10% of Comcast, okay, they're advertising within their apology for falsely advertising, can be used in Comcast advertising, the company said. Comcast also said it disagreed, well, it's not an apology, they're, they're disagreeing with it. Comcast also said it disagrees with the finding that this evidence doesn't support its claim of America's fastest internet. Comcast also respectfully disagrees with NARB's determination that the test results of its Wi-Fi gateway found by NAD to demonstrate faster through throughput speeds at 5 gigahertz was not a good fit for the claim fastest in home Wi-Fi, Comcast said. Comcast will take NAD's recommendations into account in developing future advertisements and expects NAD and NARB will hold all advertisers to the same standards when making similar claims. Comcast has also complained about Verizon's ads. In June 2016, the Ad Review Board ruled that Verizon ads claiming that Fios fiber service is rated number one in internet speed should be changed. Hey, I got a, an idea, Ad Board. Why don't you make all of these fucking advertisements illegal, huh? Because they're all they're all claiming shit like number one, number one that, and like if you want them to be honest, which you don't, you want them to be legally compliant. So what am I even talking about? But if you want them to be honest. Which I can't even I can't even commit to that as a, a hypothetical. But if you want them to be honest, like like make them make them tell you about the hidden fees. Make them tell you make make all the advertisements just all the fees you're gonna pay because that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the company with 
the fewest or the lowest fees. It's competing fees. And they all want to tell you, we have the, the fastest speed. We have the best this and the fastest. And it's the best and the fastest. And you don't have the best and the fastest. All, all, you, you all have the same crap with different marketing. Except not different market, different colors. It's just the same commercial with different colors, and that's why they're all confusing themselves because they all say they're the fastest. They're all that we have, we have the fastest this. Oh, but we have the fastest that, and we're the number one this, but we're the number one America's this, but we're the number one world's that, and we have the most coverage, but we have the best coverage, and it's like you're all just making me pay to use the air. That's all. I have there's there's waves flowing through the air and you own the waves and I pay for the waves. And whoever has the lowest price waves wins. And these these advertise I mean, the idea that you're arguing over which one gets to say we're the fastest this, but we're the fastest that is like that's what you're doing with your time, NARB, advertising review board. You, that's that's what our laws are limiting it to. Uh, uh, just these these inane arguments of like of who's the best and who can say they're the best, but ultimately it's just a bunch of people who are the worst claiming that they're the best. All right, where's my Peabody award? Do I get a Peabody for saying this stuff? I want a Peabody. That was Alex News for Thursday, February ninth, two thousand seventeen. Ugh. Well, what am I going to do now? Am I going to go out? Is it is it necessary? You know, it it might be necessary just to like put on my winter jacket and step outside and like maybe take a picture and maybe just plummet into the snow for a second and then come back up here and you know, have hot chocolate and shiver the rest of the day. Yeah, that sounds kind of nice. Enjoy your day in this god-awful world.